This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose. So, you know how sometimes you don't notice that things have gone? And I think one example of that is supermarket trolleys. You know, we always used to grumble they would never go in a straight line. And then now they do always, but I can't remember when the crossover happened. But in the same way, yeah. I've just noticed recently, people are no longer saying WWW before web addresses, which, as you once pointed out, it, it is the longest way. I mean, it's the longest letter you could possibly say. So three in a row takes ages. Not only that, but www is nine syllables, but World Wide Web is three syllables. Oh, fantastic. So it's a slightly ridiculous abbreviation. But, I mean, you know, it's been a long time since people have had to say www, but they they kept doing it until relatively recently. But suddenly I'm late, so radio ads don't have it anymore. No, well, radio ads, they want to save as much time as possible because they're paying by the second. But, of course, they used to say it just to say to people, this is a website. Because people didn't realise if you if you say shareradio.co.uk, there would have been people who wouldn't understand what that means. But the www tells them it's a website, and therefore they sort of fire up their computer, log in, whatever that used to be, yes. and then yeah. and then type it all in. But no, you don't need it anymore. Although when you set up a new website, you can choose if you want to make www compulsory, and if you don't type that, it won't find the website. Oh, right. interesting. Though yeah. presumably most people would know to actually. Add it. Most people would know to add it, yes. yes. But you don't, right. You don't so, what anymore. have you got for us this week? Well, what do you think the Earth weighs? Oh, a lot, I imagine. At Though least. I don't think I've got a big enough pair of scales to check. No, you probably haven't. Or if you did, I'd be seriously worried about how much weight you were putting on. Uh, the Earth weighs about six ronograms, whereas um, Jupiter <laughs> um, right. weighs getting on for two quetograms. Uh, so a quetogram is bigger than a ronogram, but I've never a heard quetog- of either. Well, no, you wouldn't have done, but you will now, because ronograms and quetograms are the newest um, SI units for big numbers. Oh. Uh, a ronogram, rona meaning 10 to the 27, in other words, 10 followed by 27 zeros, and quetta being 10 to the 30. You'll notice that there's a new name every three powers of 10. So we've already been using 10 to the 24 and 10 to the 21, have we? Though goodness knows we have. Four. We have, oh. yes. Well, we haven't, but people who <laughs> use big numbers have. And it's partly to do with counting stars and stuff, but mainly to do with data and the, um, the amounts of data that can be stored and how mm. fast they can be transmitted. And that those numbers get bigger, we need new numbers for them. So the reason that they are Rona and Quetta are because R and Q are the last two available unused letters because all the other ones already stand for something. So G for gigabyte, M for megabytes, and so on. T for terabyte. So what e happens when exabyte. they need a 10 to 33? Well, that's going to be difficult. They might have to start on Greek letters. Or WWW. Or WWW, <laughs> indeed. So Rona and Quetta are the big ones. Ronto yeah. and Quecto are 10 to the minus 27 and 10 to the minus 30. 
just so that you just so that you know oh. that. Well, my day is complete so, now. So. I'll be able to drop that into conversation all over the place. That's you certainly all will. Looking at down the local pub. Exactly. Exactly. You can wheel your trolley there without it squeaking. And when <laughs> yes. you get there, you can tell everyone all about it. Yes. Okay. Now, now then. Yes. Uh, last week on uh, November the 15th, a girl was born in Manila, a girl by the name of Vinis Mabansag. Yes. And what's unusual about this girl is she is officially the eight billionth person on the planet. Oh, I saw yeah, that we were going to pass know. that number. But how do we actually know that she? We don't really. They've just we don't. We don't. Yeah. Yes. She is. She is the nominated nominated eight billionth person. I wonder if she gets a prize. The, I don't know. But the seventh, sixth, and fifth, and probably fourth, and maybe even third are probably still all alive, aren't they? I mean, when do we go through the the previous? Numbers? I don't know. That'll be worth looking at. I will check that out. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and it, it led me to think. I did a bit of calculation, and um, I figured out that twenty six to the seventh is just over 8 billion. Why is that relevant? Because there are 26 letters in the alphabet. So there are enough letters in the alphabet for everyone on the planet to be identified by a single seven-letter word. Now, wouldn't that be easier than national security numbers and email addresses and, and all that nonsense? You could just have a seven-letter word, and you could auction the words off. So people who wanted pronounceable words or you know, uh, free sex. Uh, that'll, that'll go quickly. Yes. Could, could, like personalised number plates. Yes. Like personalised number plates. Yes. Well, it wouldn't be very useful once you got to 9 billion. No, but that's some way off in the future, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe well, it isn't. Well, I you're going to tell us next week after you've done your research. Well, I will, yes. And, and you think this idea is going to gain traction? Well, I haven't told anyone. You're the first person to hear about it, and the people who oh, are listening so to Share choose, Radio so are the second, third, fourth, and seven-letter combination. Right, well, I shall be thinking about that. I'll come back to you next week. You come back to me next week. Exactly. Well, and all you our listeners that. can choose theirs first. This yes, is fantastic. Get it's ahead bonus, of the it? other seven billion seven. Well, I can't even work out what just below eight billion is, but it's a lot. Uh, yes. You probably could if you were ahead of the curve. I'm ahead of the curve, but for once, I am. Um, let's just pause for a moment. Now then, lightning. Lightning hmm. strikes the Earth over 8 million times a day. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Moreover, each lightning strike contains enough power to boil 3,000 kettles. So that is an awful lot of power going up in smoke. Or rather, not going up in smoke, but going up in a big flash. Yeah. Well, the uh, the University of New South Wales Digital Grid Futures Institute. <laughs> yes. Which is a bit yes. of a mouthful, but it's a good thing to work for. Uh, they've been looking into it to see whether we can harness. Can I just interrupt briefly? However, no. if you actually turn to an abbreviation, it does look as if it's Welsh. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Rob. Just suddenly realised. NSWDGF. Yes, okay, right. So yes. they've been looking into it, yeah. and they said, uh, "Well, the trouble is that most of the energy from a lightning strike mm. is expended on the bang and the flash, and you can't predict where the lightning is going to strike. You're going to put up a very tall copper conductor, but then you need equipment that can." capture billions of joules of energy in a hundredth of a second and they've come to the conclusion that it ain't worth it 
not You're, economic sense. I wonder how much they spent on working that out, because I have a feeling you and I could have told them that before they'd started. Yes, they didn't ask us. More fool they them. They didn't. They didn't. Um, but I have thought of my, my seven-letter um, oh, go on then. Word combination. I think emperor is seven letters, isn't it? I'll, I'll have emperor. You could have, well, I don't know. That one would probably go for quite a lot. You could have captain, well, maybe. Or colonel, if you want to be a step up. Sergeant. Mm. I don't think you're very good at thinking up words that are seven letters long. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a little <laughs> trick. Okay. Um, what what we need to do is to set up a common sense institute. So before, before people spend millions of pounds on research, they could come to us and say, what do you think about this? We can say, no, it'll yes. never work. Don't bother. Yes. Yeah. Most of the great inventions of our time would have been turned down by us. Well, in advance. They would. Yes. They would. That's true. So there's a flaw in your the cunning plan. Web. Yes. <laughs> Maybe yes. there is. Okay. What now? Well, let's just dive under the oceans to uh, sharks, which are in huge numbers getting caught in fishing lines. Hmm. And thanks to a company called Fish Tech Marine, they could be scared away with a shark guard. The shark guard being a little electronic device that is fitted above each hook and it emits an electric pulse. Mm -hmm. And what that electric pulse does is it overstimulates the sensory organ that sharks use to find their prey. And the sharks find this so overwhelming, they swim away. So they've done some tests on this. The University of Exeter is doing this test and it's found that it managed to reduce the bycatch, bycatch being things that you cut by accident, by 91%. And it also reduced the bycat of stingrays by 71%. It also turns out the intended catch of bluefin tuna was down 42%. Oh. But since they were also down 42% on the control lines, they don't know if that was entirely because of these things um, or not. So you but get fewer sharks and very fewer much stingrays, fewer but you get much less of the fish you actually wanted to catch in the first place. Exactly. Ah. Oh, so, okay. you know, it, it's statistics again. You can't always trust them, can you? No. Um, okay. So a little bit more work is needed, really. A little bit more work needed. But it, well, it, if it does work, it'll be a very good thing because sharks, I mean, I don't know if sharks are an endangered species, and I don't know if that many people would worry about them if they were endangered. So you don't see people going, save the shark down your local high street, do you? No. I have a theory about that. I have a theory that when people want to save animals, the bigger the animal, the more people want to save it. So lots of people want to save elephants and tigers. Very few people want to save field mice, even if they were endangered. Bats and toads. Lots of people. No, bats and toads, that's true. Mm. Yeah. And that also, the idea that the sweeter they look, the more people are, are concerned about them. And that doesn't really apply to bats and toads, does it? No, they're oh, not really cuddly, are they? The eye of the beholder. No, you wouldn't want to cuddle a bat or indeed a toad. You wouldn't. Though possibly people brought up on fairy stories might kiss too many of them, but who knows? I'm sure <laughs> it wouldn't work. <laughs> anyway, good moment for us just to take a, a, a quick breather. We'll be back in just a moment. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio.
This is Simon Rose. You're listening to Gadget and Gizmos, where Steve Kaplan is telling us the latest from the world of tech. And if you want to hear other episodes of Gadget and Gizmos, just put Harkon without the vowels, that's H-R-K-N, into your podcast provider, and you will find all the episodes from the last year and a bit up there. Go, Sosie, where now? Uh, well, Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan has a new book out. It is called The Philosophy of Modern Song, and it sells for a whopping £35. Mm-hmm. Although you can get it on Amazon for £19.89. Curiously, the Kindle edition on Amazon is £19.99, which is odd that to charge 10p more for the Kindle edition when they haven't got to the, go to the bother of actually printing a book or sending it to you. But interesting, yeah, interesting pricing policy, yes. It is. I think it could be something to do with the fact that electronic books now have VAT applied and printed books don't. That's possible. Mm, Anyway, if you're a real Dylan fan, you could also go to uh, Simon & Schuster, who will sell you a signed edition for £500. And it comes accompanied with a letter from one Jonathan Karp, who is the president of Simon & Schuster, which says, this letter is confirmation that the copy of the book you hold in your hand has been hand-signed by Bob Dylan. Oh, impressive. Impressive. Well, actually, not so impressive. Because various people stumped up their £500 for this, and then when the book arrived, they thought, this doesn't look right. So they sent it off to a book uh, signature analyst who said, no, these aren't signed by a person at all. These are signed by a robot. So Simon and Schuster... I'm amazed that they knew where to find a signature analyst. Um, but Google, where else? Well, so the signature analyst has got all these all these copies that these people don't want anymore and is now flogging them as being genuinely hand-signed by Bob Dylan and is making uh, a fortune. I think they just sent them photographs of the signature. Oh, oh, right, yeah. right. Well, so Simon um, and then Schuster have now tweeted, the limited edition books do contain Bob's original signature, but in a penned replica form. So but you said, the, you said the, I know. the head yes. of Simon and Schuster sent out this thing saying he did. it was genuine. They've now refunded all the people who bought their £500 copies. So I suppose that means they got the book for free. Which is much cheaper than the Kindle edition. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Almost worth worth getting it. Hmm. So there we go. Um, Let us move on. This is an app that I came across on my computer the other day. Is this an app of the week? um, It's not an app of the week. It's very much not an app of the week. It's called Audiobook which is a dreadful name for an app because you try and Google it. And of course, you can never find the app. You can just find various other audiobook things. And this app, the purpose of it is to turn text or PDFs mm. into audiobooks that you can listen to. Ooh. And it's a rather uh, clunky interface. And the first thing you have to do before converting your book is to choose the voice. So uh, here are a couple of voices that I tried out. Let's have a listen. This is audiobook test reading. Please adjust the speaker's voice before the conversion. This is audiobook test reading. Please adjust the speaker's voice before the conversion. Could you spot Oddly the enough, they're both... Oh, no, I didn't. I wasn't listening to the words. I was listening to the voice because I thought I recognised the first one. It is a standard Mac built-in voice. Have a listen again. Oh, okay, hang on a second. This is audiobook test reading. Please adjust the speaker's voice before the conversion. This is audiobook test Reading. Please adjust the speaker's voice before the conversion. Yes, I did. I don't live in Reading. Yes, very Given peculiar. Given that that is a pre-programmed phrase, 
the people who made the app have built into it. You'd think <laughs> they'd have told it how to pronounce reading. Yes, you would. It would not make Wouldn't me want you? to go much further. No, indeed, nor me. Unless you, want to send, unless you want to send a copy of an audiobook to somebody who is very pedantic about pronunciation, who you want to annoy. Yes, I'm <laughs> sure there are many people. Like, or in case if you live in, live in Reading, you might want to have, yes. have it popping up every now and again. But yes. what a bizarre thing to do. I find that very, very I, I, I think that's extraordinary. Mm. So you didn't proceed any further with that then, I take it? I didn't. We could move on to our real app of the week, if you like. Oh, well, in that case, we'll have this. Yes. So time-lapse photography is very good for showing things that take place over a long period of time, particularly things like building houses, mm -hmm. or you can see them going up story by story, or in fact, brick course by brick course, depending on how often you, you take the picture. But the problem with that is that these things take months, if not mm -hmm. years, and you have to have your camera on a tripod and leave it there for months, if not years, yes. taking one picture a day. Uh, and hoping that no one comes along and nicks it, or we had jogs it, which would just ruin the yes, whole thing. Yes, yes, Well, the, there's a very clever uh, solution uh, from Cornell University, which is called ReCapture. It's an app on your phone. And you take your first picture. When you come back the next day, it has a GPS system that guides you back to the spot where you took the first picture. Mm -hmm. And it then shows you an overlay so that you can align the new picture with the Ooh, old one and it then clever. perfects the alignment afterwards automatically so you can get a smooth transition over, over a period of months that's very and it clever. gets even cleverer than that because it has three modes of operation that's the basic one if you want to capture a, a close-up object then you use 3d capture mode and it uses the phone's internal measurement unit to work out exactly where the object mm -hmm. is, and it guides you to exactly the same position from it. There's also light field mode, which takes several images, just a little burst of a, a video, and then it reconstructs it all offline in 3D to align it perfectly. Isn't that clever? It seems very clever. Now, knowing you, I'm assuming you've gone out somewhere to try and play with this, trying to work out what you can, what you can take pictures of. I have, but since mode. I only came across this a couple of days ago, oh, I haven't right, been able okay. to do, but I will absolutely, everywhere I go, I will start doing time-lapse time -lapse images. And it's free. It is absolutely free. It's on the App Store called ReCapture. Give it a go. Download oh, well, maybe I'll give it a go. I wish I'd known about it two days ago because the people across the road are just uh, having their sort of... Um, their boundary fence, something is being done to it. I think it's all being taken down and something ah. else being put up. That would have been ideal. It would. It would. Yeah. Oh, well. Too late now. Late well, not that, too yes. late now, because you can start at where they are now. Well, that's true, except I think they're doing all the work. Now that I think about it, I think they're doing all the work behind the big wooden panels they put up um, when they're knocking it all down. Yes, they probably would here. But, yeah, I will keep an eye out. That sounds quite good fun. So it's called what? Recapture. And it's on the iOS App Store, and I think it's also on the Android Google Play Store as well. Mm, Take a look, because it, it is very good. So do you actually then need a tripod every day, or is it... No. No. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's fantastic. Yes. Yes. Very oh, clever indeed. I'm almost excited. <laughs> oh, that takes something. <laughs> so that excites you, but the ronograms and quetograms don't. 
Good grief, no. Oh, fair enough. Okay. I, I mean, how, how apart from pub quizzes and things, how on earth can I use the fact that Jupiter weighs two, what was it, quetigrams or something? Two quetigrams, yes. Mm. Well, next time someone mentions Jupiter, <laughs> you can say, well, of course, it does weigh, weigh yes, two quetigrams. It comes up in conversation all the time. <laughs> yes, I suppose there is that. Um, let us go on to our crowdfunding time of the week, shall we? Oh, well, in that case, you're going to want one of these. Mm. So? And you used to be a fan of the chord writer, didn't you? Yes, I did. The chord writer. Did you like to explain what that was? Um, it was a simple handheld device back in the days of of, of those palm um, organisers and things, which enabled you to write text using just five keys, different combinations of the five keys. I was then a film critic. It was very useful for typing in the dark. Not infallible, but pretty good. And then the whole system was brought up by Hewlett Packard, who suppressed the technology for reasons unbeknownst to me or anybody mm. else. It yeah. was good, though, wasn't it? I, I did, it would it take excellent. a long time to learn I, those five keys. Not especially long. And the weird thing is, well, I can't remember what I had for breakfast. I can still remember how to actually write using those five keys. Ah. I still sometimes well. find myself doing it. Uh, on Kickstarter, uh, some people uh, some time ago brought up the Caracorda, the Caracorda keyboard, mm. which was a rather bizarre thing. It, it looked like two spheres joined by a steel rod with buttons on them. I mean, I suppose some people may have bought that, but yes. um, you don't want to change your change your keyboard to one of those if you're not dedicated to to, to using it. They have now brought out the Caracorda X for chord typing. The idea is that you uh, can hold down not just one letter at a time to type, but you can hold down a, a bunch of letters. And each of these bunches will represent a word, so you can type very much faster once you've learned. Oh, right, because the, the system I use it wasn't going to be any faster. It was just the fact that you could do mm. it without actually typing on a conventional keyboard. Okay. Yes. That sounds so intriguing this, if it is faster. Well, it's very clever. It is a dongle that goes between your keyboard and your computer. And that's it. No software needed, no other drivers needed. Uh, you just have to learn the combinations. Typing at the speed of thought, they say. They, they reckon that people who can do 40 words per minute regular typing will be able to do 250 words per minute. I can't even think that fast, 250 words well, per minute, no. when, they're, when they're using this device. Well, I do a lot more than 40 words a minute at the moment. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. But then, of course, how difficult is it to learn? Do we know that? We don't. Um, it's only $39, which is £33 or, or, or thereabouts, mm -hmm. so it's not that expensive. Um, there are a couple of drawbacks to it from, from my perspective. <laughs> yes. One being that my I use a Mac, so my keyboard is connected to my Mac, not via a regular USB, yes. but by a lightning cable, as they are on all Macs. But the major issue is that I do most of my actual typing lying on the bed with my laptop. And of course, mm. my laptop keyboard doesn't connect to my laptop via a USB cable yes. to do it to stick the dongle. It's a shame, really, because I think it's a very good idea. So it's about go between, but you couldn't you couldn't just use it plug it in, use it instead. Yes. Yes, you can. You plug it in and you can either use it as a regular keyboard or oh, yeah. you can okay. learn the uh, learn the combinations. I think it's quite worth looking at. Yes, I'm going to have a look at how it later. To have a look at it later. Yes, and if you get it, let me know how you get on. I will. I will. 
And finally, the news that lab-grown chicken has been approved for sale in the US from next year. This is the second country to approve lab-grown chicken after Singapore, surprisingly. Mm. And it's, the, the chicken is grown from animal cells, which are fed various nutrients, possibly the same kind of nutrients you might feed to a regular chicken. And within three weeks, you have cultivated meat, they call it. Very posh it is. It's all about <laughs> Jupiter and, and yes, quetograms. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> cultivated meat. Extraordinary. Yes. And do we, do we have any reviews of how it tastes? Not yet. Uh, it's a company called Upside Foods, upsidefoods.com. You can go and check out their entertaining but rather information light website. Uh, I look forward to it. I think it'll be a great idea if we can grow all this stuff in labs without having to pollute the planet with methane from mm. various animals. Then I think that's a, altogether a good thing. Right. Well, of course. Let's end on if, Upside. If there's less, if we don't start farming, for example, cows for their meat, where will we get our leather from? Hmm. Well, we always grow leather in labs soon. Well, they do make PU leather, don't they? Yes, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Which, of course, it isn't leather, but it thinks it is. Not very cultivated. <laughs> it thinks it is. It thinks it's <laughs> sentient artificial leather. Exactly. Okay. Uh, that's it, though, for this edition of Catching Gear. There's more, of course, next week. Bye for now. Is it a gadget? Is it a gizmo? No, it's gadgets and gizmos with Steve Kaplan and Simon Rose.